Well, good morning, Lindsley Avenue. Good morning. Good to see everybody today. Glad to have everyone here. I'm glad to have our family and friends at Knowles watching us. So uh, hopefully uh, you will have fun singing that last song uh, before that one, when This Is My Father's World. And also uh, glad to have some of our uh, regular uh, individuals safe but watching from home today. We're glad that no one was hurt. So uh, as well as somebody listening pretty, pretty close to me driving back today. So very, very glad that everyone's here with us. We're in the middle of a study of it all adds up where we're looking at some of the things Peter writes about in 2 Peter chapter 1. The things we need to add to our faith to become fruitful and effective workers for God. There's a lot of similarity in some ways between this list we are working through and what we studied last year where we were talking about the fruit of the Spirit. None of these qualities are possible to possess. None of us can have these qualities in our lives if God is not ruling our lives. And if we are not members of God's family and we are not having the Spirit dwelling within. That doesn't mean somebody can't be kind if they are not a member of God's family. But being a member of God's family is where these things will come from for all of us. This morning we're talking about patience. And I know all of you will be wanting this to be the shortest sermon of the year because we don't have time for all this stuff. We're going to be impatient that I finish with the sermon on patience today. When you think of patience, I think of things like this. You know, that was a TSA security line for air flyers last summer. I suspect some people were experiencing that kind of thing today. Reminded me of standing in line for hours coming into South Africa and going through customs. I had a four hour layover, so I thought that should be plenty of time to get in, get my bags checked, and get on the next plane. And I started kind of estimating how long it was going to take me. It was going to take more than four hours to get through customs. So I was rather impatient because I had things I needed to do. One of the things I really hadn't thought of before is that in situations that make us impatient, where we are in a line like this, or perhaps even worse, a line like that, that's in China, I want to remember that the person trying to help me is probably having a really horrible day. The person at the customs desk, the person at the DMV desk, the person at the drive-thru, is having to deal with all of the customers, all of the people who are having to wait, and they're not being happy either. So perhaps that's a good reason to try to be more patient, because it just kind of happens. There's supposed to be management in place to get more workers, to try to alleviate the line, the why lines form and how they behave, with extra servers or faster processes is well documented. So whenever you see a line, there's gotta be some reason why decision makers have not tried to make it better. But that isn't gonna help us anyway when we're in the middle of it. So it all adds up, patience. When you think about it, the pictures really do show the idea behind needing patience. We've all been through it before. We've all been told, how many of these phrases have you heard? Wait your turn. Hang on a minute, bide your time, chill out, not so fast, bear with me a moment. The one I don't like to hear is take a number. 
or your call is important to us. They might as well say, we don't care that you call us. Uh, I really want, if I ever had access to that one day, all I would have, I would re-record the message and say, you call us, but we really don't want to talk to you. Because that's what it often seems like. But remember, the person who eventually can get to the call has been talking to angry people all day. Angry people all day. I want to talk about patience. Why we need patience, where patience can come from, and the importance of patience. People have talked about patience for a long, long, long time. Mahatma Gandhi said, to lose patience is to lose the battle. To lose patience is to lose the battle. The Roman historian and writer, uh, Ovid, said this, be patient and tough. Someday this pain will be useful to you. If I can learn to be tough and I can learn to have patience, it'll be, I'll be better prepared to face situations in the future. I like this one. A handful of patience is worth a bushel of brains. No matter how, many, how much brain power you may think you have, if you're impatient, you're really not thinking. You're really not thinking. But what does the Bible say about patience? In Romans 5, 3 and 4, Paul says, we rejoice in our sufferings. Now that's obviously not something I usually think about. I'm suffering, I'm like, yes, I get to suffer. I'm so happy I'm suffering today. I can't recall ever meeting someone that's like, boy, I'm so happy I can suffer. But Paul says we rejoice in our suffering. We should be happy in our sufferings if we think about what he says next. Knowing that our suffering produces endurance. Endurance is the same word as patience. Our suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Endurance and patience is kind of the grinding point that shapes a blob into something useful. It's the start of that process where we are transformed. And I can't help but think about the word endurance and think about the ship named endurance down in the Antarctic ice, led by um, Shackleton, where it took them two years to get back home after their ship got caught in the ice. Talk about endurance. Talk about character being built in all of those individuals, all of those men, and hope trying to get back home. Revelation 2.19, Jesus here speaking says, I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Jesus sees when we are patient. God knows when we're patient and when we have lost what we talked about last week, self-control. That's really a, one of the first signs of not having self-control is when we become impatient. And absolutely, I'm talking to myself here this morning. I want to know that last com uh, comment there. As for your works, the last works, the ones you've done recently, are more than the first. And that really is a sidebar here, but it's something we should all aim for. No matter what we did when we were 20, 30, 40, 50, we should try our best to grow our works, to become more involved in helping people, loving people, and living our lives for God. May that be said about all of us when we stand before the King someday. 
What does the Bible say about patience? Well, look at this verse again from Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. What's Paul talking about here? Writing Romans in the roughly 55 AD time frame, there really is no New Testament yet. Some of the letters have been written. They haven't really been collected into any kind of uh, volume as the New Testament that's in our Bibles. What he's talking about are things that God sent through the prophets, things that God sent to his people, words that God sent to his people that were in the Jewish scriptures. We call that the Old Testament. It's old just because it was written earlier. It still contains a great deal of wisdom from God. And that's what Paul's talking about. These things that God said to his people in the past were written for our instruction, for our learning. Another sidebar. We can't learn. We can't be instructed if we won't study things that were written beforehand. Far from being, well, that's the Old Testament, no real reason to read or study that. It makes up the majority of the words in our Bibles. God's wisdom is always wisdom for each of us. So let's make sure that we are studying the Bible, not simply, merely, things that are in the Newer Testament. Granted, the Newer Testament tells us directly about Jesus, don't get me wrong. But I don't see any reason to ignore so much of what God has written. Why were these things written for our instruction? How did they help us learn that through endurance, that's again the word for patience that's in 2 Peter, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. When we see people who endure, people who were patient, we will have encouragement <coughs> that we can endure, that we can have patience. And again, as, as Paul said, that leads to hope that we will survive, that God has not forgotten us here on the earth. So who were some of these Old Testament people? Who were some of these Old Testament heroes that showed endurance, that showed patience? Who might Paul potentially, I don't know, but who might Paul have potentially been thinking about in these things written beforehand, things written previously, that if we read about them, we might have instruction, we might have learning come to us. Let's look at a couple of this morning. The first one I want to talk about is Abraham, often called the father of the faithful, Abraham. Abraham had been promised a son by God. Right? He had been promised a son by God. Abraham and his wife Sarai had not had any children. God promises a son's going to come. Abraham believes God. Doesn't come. Doesn't come. Doesn't come. 25 years later, the promise is finally fulfilled. I'm going to give you a, a really nice cup, Jimmy, that you can drink out of. Okay? 25 years from now. <laughs> Would you even potentially remember a promise if I made it like that, if I hadn't fulfilled it for 20 years? What are you going to think? Gene forgot all about it. Or Gene's losing it. That's another potential thought. Or Gene never intended to help me out by getting me a really nice cup to drink out of. 25 years, Abraham did not lose faith. He had this promise made to him by God. God did things in his own time. 25 years later, that promise is fulfilled. Isaac is born. And the name Isaac means laughter. 
when Sarai heard that she was going to have a child, she said, yeah, right. It's kind of the reaction she had. The guy says, okay, fine. Every time you see this child, you're going to remember you laughed at my promise. Right? Once Isaac is here and growing up as a young boy, God tests Abraham's faith again. I think the first test is waiting 25 years to have a son at all. And it's in effect, the second test is when God says, you know that son of the promise? Saddle up. Because you guys are going to go and you're going to make an offering to me. I want you to offer that son that I gave you. Abraham really doesn't know how this is going to work out, but he knows God is good. And that's something to remember, even when being told something like this. And so he gets up there when God took, when Abraham took steps to obey God, ready to sacrifice his son, Abraham's hand, as it were, stopped. And God says this, I will surely bless you. And your offspring shall be as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Why? Because you obey my voice. Abraham believed the promise of God, had faith, and then took action to show he believed and obeyed what God had told him. Abraham is one of those individuals we can learn patience from. 25 years, look for me, and I'll get you a cup. 25 years. Another example of patience, some years later, Abraham's grandchild, Joseph. He is sold into slavery by his brothers. And we think fights among brothers are, are kind of rare. He's sold into slavery by his brothers into Egypt. Over the next 12 plus years, it's at least 12 years, he is falsely accused and imprisoned. While in prison, and I can't imagine that's a really nice prison. We're not talking about a minimal security thing with a view of a beach. He's falsely imprisoned. While he's in prison, he interprets a dream in prison, asked to be remembered. I helped you out. Don't forget me in here, but he's forgotten in prison anyway. But he eventually becomes his second, the second in command to Pharaoh himself. Meets his brothers, those same brothers that had sold him into slavery. He, Joseph, tells his brothers this near the end of the book. As for you, you meant evil against me when you sold me into slavery. You meant that for evil, but God meant it for good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. What's Joseph talking about? A big famine came on the land. Remember there had been a, the story, there had been seven fabulous years where crops are just busting the doors open, and then there would be seven years of famine. In the second year of the famine is when his brothers come down to Egypt looking to buy food. It's already so bad, they can't grow anything up in the land of Canaan where they're living. Joseph's patience, his endurance, ended up saving his family. His brothers had sold him into Egypt to be a slave, meaning it for evil. They didn't care apparently whether he lived or died. But that turned into a way that not only were his brothers, but his father and his entire family was saved. Patience and endurance led to good things. Ruth is the third one I want us to look at. She is a woman who was from Moab. She was not a Jewish woman at all. And the story is told of her mother-in-law, Naomi, going over there to Moab with her two boys. They marry. Uh, 
Uh, Ruth is one of the daughters that's married and is a daughter-in-law of Ruth, of uh, uh, Naomi. All the men in the family die. And so it's Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws. And she says, you girls stay here. Stay in your own country. I'm paraphrasing. Stay in your own country. There's no need for you to come back with me to the land of Israel. There's nothing I have to offer for you over there. If you're looking for another son of mine to marry, that is often the way things work. You're going to wait a long time because I don't have a husband anymore. Just stay put. My life has turned into bitterness. No need for you to do it. Have your own lives here. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you will go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. Ruth refused to let Naomi go back. Bitter as Naomi was with the way life had turned out to her so far, refused to let Naomi do that on her own. She went with her mother. Right? We often like to, to joke, hopefully it's jokes, about in-laws, right? Just imagine you're going, and look here, right? The love between in-laws. It can happen. Naomi also loved her mother-in-law. Potentially left, I don't know if she had family, but may have left her family in Moab to go back to Israel with Naomi, her mother-in-law. Her devotion to Naomi, her willingness to change her life and become a follower of God is rewarded. In Ruth chapter 2, Boaz, who becomes Ruth's husband, says to this, Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. The Lord will repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. There's a lot of endurance in the story of Naomi. There's a lot of endurance and patience in the story of Ruth. Consistently, Throughout the Old Testament, patience and endurance for the people of God is rewarded. Perhaps the most incredible story of patience of all in the Old Testament will be Job himself. James used Job's patience, endurance, and suffering as a model for us all. Consider the patience of Job, James says. The endurance of Job. Remember the story of Job? He's sitting around one day and in the space apparently of a few minutes, everything he has essentially is destroyed. His crops, his livestock, including his family, his sons and daughters. Things happen and only one servant seems to escape like Pony Express and rides in to tell him or runs in to tell him. So much so that he decides to sit and say, you know, almost woe is me. He's sitting in a sackcloth and ashes. His wife, being real helpful, says, why don't you just curse God and die? Wow. Some people feel that way when things go bad. There's no point in trying to carry on anymore. When you have a thought like that, that's essentially saying curse God and die. He's then covered with painful sores, right? Yet, James holds him up as a patient man. He got worse for Job. His three friends came to comfort him, and they, he looked so bad, they didn't even know who he was from a distance. You know, sometimes you'll come up, you'll see a friend, you're like, there, there's my old friend. They come to see Job, and he looks so bad in such painful circumstances, I don't even know who he is. 
Adding to Job's pain, his friends falsely accuse him of being sinful. You've done something, Job. Come on. Tell us what it is. Nobody goes through all this stuff without having done something bad. You're holding back on us. What was it? What was it? But it's not even, look at it. He feels like God's letting all these things bad happen to him. His wife says, give up. Curse God and die. What's the point of trying to carry on? His friends come in and say, well, you must have brought this on yourself. What a horrible thing to do to somebody who's suffering. What a horrible thing to do to someone that's in a hard situation. Point out to you that this wouldn't have happened if. Let's not do that. I guarantee you somebody's suffering because of something they did knows it. Why do we need to pile it on? It's not always true. Don't assume it's true. Don't assume somebody is suffering because of something they've done. Through it all, Job patiently endured. That's why God rewards him over and above how he starts out. That's why James talks about him as an example of patience. James used Job and his patience to encourage early Christians. With the many forms of suffering the early Christians were facing, it was important that they, to be reminded that they, like Job, had done nothing to deserve their suffering, but were to patiently endure for the cause of Jesus, for the sake of Jesus. Just as Job had faced many troubles, they would face hardship living for God. That's one of the key themes of the book of James. Life is getting harder for people of God every day. Today. God expects us to have endurance. Expects us to be patient. Even if things in the future are harder for us to be dealing with and living through as God's people than they might be today. It's a great example. Great example of how we should behave in times of hardship and suffering. Be patient. Endure. The Bible consistently says it will work out okay eventually. Be patient. We're called to follow Job's example, remembering that God is full of compassion and mercy. The problem is, I want that right now. The problem is, I'm not patient. When you look at Colossians 3, 12 and 13, it's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. In terms of, since we're no longer living for ourselves, no longer living in sin, but we are members of God's family, we need to put away the behaviors that are sinful and put on good behaviors. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, you're, you're different and God loves you. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. It seems as if the natural way of most of us is not patience. Most people who are not members of God's family are typically going to be not showing patience. We often don't show patience, but we should. Why? Look at why patience is considered to be important. We are to bear with one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, we need to be forgiving each other. Why? As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. I'll pick on Thurl on the front row. You know, if I have something against Thurl, he let that song I don't like again. Right? 
I'm tired of it. Just, I'm not going to forgive Thurl over here for leaving that song. Isn't that kind of foolish? Because look at what Paul says. God forgave me. God is patient with me. Can I be patient with Thurl as he leads that song a hundred times that I don't like? No, I'm teasing. There is no song he led that I don't like. But does that make sense? And if I'm not patient with people here, if I don't forgive people here, why do I really expect God will forgive me and God will be patient with my own foolishness? It doesn't work that way. I will make mistakes. I will be impatient. I, I will be engaged in sinful activities. I fail. But my heart, my goal needs to be to show the heart of God toward other people. Love people. Be patient with people. And yes, endure things when people are not really kind and helpful to me. Why? The bottom line. Why do I need to be patient? Look at this passage from 2 Peter chapter 3. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. That's toward me, toward you. Not willing or not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. If God were not patient with me, I would not be here today. If God lost patience, you can imagine God with his almighty thumb just reaching down and scrubbing out people. Had it with that person? If you walk outside and you see people just suddenly turn into the blobs of jelly on the street, that's the way God would be if he had no patience. I'm tired of it, right? But God is patient because God does not want anyone to be lost. God is patient with me. I need to be patient with others. How do I get that patience? I need to live for God and live with God. If I live with, uh, for God, I will live with Him. I've got to live with, for God and get that straight for I have to live for God, but I want to live with God. I need to be patient. That will only come from living for God. Back to Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit, I will call patience, one of the fruits of the Spirit, only comes because God lives within me and it bears fruit. So when I'm not patient, I need to get closer to God. If I live for God, and I will live with God. What happens if I live for myself? That's not where I want to be. This is where you want to be. If there's any way that we can help anyone here today, whether you need to become a member of God's family, or you need to have prayer, even if it's not about patience, you need to go to God in prayer, help with a problem or for forgiveness, this is your time. Come home to God today as we stand here.